Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the 21st Aspire Mailbag with my good friend, Teach Better teammate, the COO and co-founder of Teach Better, the man of the hour, Jeff Gargas. I don't think I'm the man of the hour today. You're not? Pretty sure someone else gets that title tonight. I'm pretty sure Mr. Evan Robb gets that title tonight. I'm just here. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. You're just witnessing the greatness that is about to occur. I'm just here to learn. Just learn? Well, I learned something. I learned that I was incredibly incorrect the last episode. I said it was the 19th episode, and I said it was 90%. I think you eventually got to about 30% in your speculation, (laughs) and you were right, my good friend. What Um, was it? Was it our... Was it the twentieth or was, was it the eighteenth? It was the twentieth. That was we've been so talking the, about the twentieth for a while, and we and you, you we missed it. You completely so, stole that anniversary away from us. Completely, I feel terrible. Okay, so this is so this is number twenty one. It's twenty one. I can't believe. Wow. It. But to celebrate, we have an amazing guest with us. We do, Mr. Evan Rob. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, I am uh, really excited to uh, to be on the I guess twenty first. Yes. Uh, show so thank you very much josh and, and thank you jeff and evan you've been on the podcast many many times and i love bringing you back because you always provide such fantastic insight and i know i was posting on social media about you being in attendance and i know a lot of folks are excited to hear your amazing insight on leadership questions and for those who don't know for this episode if you as a listener provide these questions to us and we get a chance to answer anywhere between three and five questions and tonight we're going to do three questions and i think they've got kind of a theme together which i like doesn't always happen that way i like it yeah so we've kind of got the summer spring mindset with these questions obviously a lot of aspiring leaders are going into the workforce looking for higher positions and so i think that's kind of where this is going to lead so if you guys are ready i'm going to ask the first question So this is a question from Adam Cottis, and he's asking, what's a good way to prepare over summer for leadership positions? Evan, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'd be happy to start out. I am a big believer in in the whole concept of developing yourself as a learner, your sense of agency. And so that comes, it's born out of commitment to learning. So I would encourage anyone to really delve into some different elements of leadership that are interesting to you over the summertime and really even more importantly find different mediums to experience that so that may mean uh, a book it may mean blogs Um, i would always recommend the aspire podcast because you know there's numerous episodes on there where you can learn about leadership from other education leaders and and i think you know josh you and i were talking a little bit about exercise before we started recording yeah Uh, Increasing your knowledge, or in this case, increasing your knowledge about leadership uh, is something that you want to build a little time in every day to do. So it's not like you need to do that five hours a day, uh, but if you take 15 minutes or 30 minutes every day throughout the summer and uh, put a little time aside, you can really learn a lot. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gargus? 100% that. I think the only thing I would add to that is, it, which is basically a, sort of along the same lines, is building that in and and, and looking for the opportunities and ways that you can put yourself into the position that you want to be in. And obviously, I mean, mentally thinking through 
all the different situations that you might be in that you might be asked, not worrying so much about, oh, am I going to have the right answers set up for my interview, but just, can I see myself in this position? Can I, can I picture myself? How would I handle these different things? And taking what Evan said and listening to those podcasts and reading those books and finding those stories and, and uh, experiences from other leaders gives you the situations that you should be able to then try to picture yourself in and, and go through your head in the scenario of how you would do that. So mm-hmm. just put yourself in there, getting as much time as you can and whatever exposure you can to the positions you're looking for and, and the potential challenges that you're going to be faced uh, with when you get into that position. Yeah. So I always like to do this, and I, I stole this from my mentor, Sanjay Pegram, is at the end of the school year is making a list of all the things that I've done over the school year. Because a lot of times as we're in the midst of that year, we're so busy that we tend to forget what, what we've done. And a lot of times if you actually sit down and reflect, similar to what Evan was talking about, about you know spending just some time exercising, you know, spend some time reflecting and figuring out what are all the things that you've done that can translate to that, that next position. And so that way, when you have the information, um, you've built your educational piece, right, with the books, with the podcast, you sort of make some connections, you also have something to talk about um, in that interview process. So making a list of all the things that you've been a part of and that you've been successful in, in that school year, and maybe it's even a few years back. So that way, when you are sitting at the table and you have something to talk about, things that I've actually done versus what I would have done. Yeah, you know, and I think it can dive a little bit deeper, you know, and this really depends on where someone is in terms of their career and where they are with their their personal understanding of their leadership. Mm-hmm. But, you know, spending some time to kind of understand how do you define yourself as a leader, yep. ranging from, let's say, extremes of, let's say, transactional to very transformational, you know, where do you fit in there? And then, so that's a very personal thing, and then how do you expand your leadership to work with other people, to elevate people within your building, your your leadership with instructional knowledge and things of that nature. You know, and I would say, um, and you guys are not asking me to do this, but I, but I will, if your division is fortunate enough to have some really quality professional development brought in, that's a great way to expand your, your professional knowledge. You know, my school division has been smart enough to contact Jeff uh, to bring Teach Better team in for our conference josh you presented there mm-hmm. and you know those kind of opportunities are invaluable and uh, and i would encourage anyone if you're looking to really bring some quality kind of pd to stretch your leadership or leadership of those in your school division you know to reach out to jeff um, it's certainly um, really quality pd i appreciate that a whole lot evan we are and we're bringing josh back again this year too which is exciting to be back again. and i will uh i'll slip you that 20 afterwards appreciate that <laughs> if josh comes in in person josh i'll pick i can pick you up at the airport oh beautiful yeah. oh all right well there's a new conversation i know seriously i've never been to virginia all right that's a beautiful answer and i i want to connect the second one because it's kind of in line with what we've been talking about with the the preparation of finding that leadership position. So this one actually comes from Alana Gilliam. She's an amazing aspiring leader. She is looking for an assistant principal job. And her question is, if you are emailing a principal or district leader about a position you're interested in, what are some tips you would recommend in creating that email? Okay. I got to go all, yeah, that's, that's, that's you. Oh, go with that one. Yeah, I'm happy to. I, I, I definitely get a lot of those and that's a great question. Let me explain how I think it should be done, and then I can probably throw in a couple of things about how it shouldn't be done. So it is very good to contact a principal via email and, you know, and an assistant principal if you're interested in a teaching position or if you're interested in an administrative position within the building. But keep the email relatively short. It should be an introductory email, 
and it should demonstrate that you have some type of understanding about the school. Also put a notation in the email that you have filled out the application with the school division so it's not just a completely cold email and then you know end with you know looking forward to hearing from you. Where these things kind of go wrong is a very cold kind of email where you know it appears that someone has an email that's very generically written and the top of the email is just that's where that's where some wording is replaced to speak to that specific school system where it really goes bad is the school system is noted two times in the email and the person only remembered to change it in one point <laughs> you know and also if it is overly long and I, I certainly don't want to say that I or other administrators don't like to read but simply an introductory email with some good facts that show that you know a little bit about the school it's positive it's upbeat that express your interest that says you've applied for whatever online application system within the school division that is a good email and encourage people to do that i think uh, i just want to basically just second two very specific pieces that evan just mentioned one is to do research mm-hmm. right and he mentioned like making sure like you're noting something that they understand that you you actually care about what you what you're that you're not just throwing out a hundred different emails, even though you maybe right. You've actually taken the time to explore the website, look up their the, the school's values and mission statement, maybe you know their five year plan, whatever it is, and understand how you might be able to bring value to that. But yeah, noting that, I absolutely second keeping it short because right now you're getting a whole bunch of those. Uh, you don't need to be reading books yet, right? And, and you're you're providing all the info, all the additional info in your application, right? So you're just doing a nice introduction. And to second the idea of that, you know, basically the copy and paste, I'd actually say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Write it fresh every time. You might have some things in your head that you're going to say every time and that's fine, but write it fresh every time because that's going to naturally put a a more organic and a, and a real feel to it. And you're less likely to make the mistake that, uh, that Evan mentioned there, which is putting the name. I'm, I'm actually pitching an um, email that I got from someone who's pitching. We didn't even have a job open in at, at Teach Better, but they were, just, they were obviously just hitting a whole bunch of different companies that they thought they might fit into. And they mentioned it was like three different times that they mentioned it was me. I'm like, have you ever emailed me and mentioning my company's name three different times? It's a weird email to begin with. But yeah, and the one, the last time it was like something energy solutions or something like that. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> You didn't have me anyway, but still. Right. So that's like legit happened. And I've actually done that. I did that in a past life myself where I had a copy and paste thing that I was shooting out. It wasn't for a job, it was for promoting something. And I forgot to change a line that was supposed to be edited. And ever since then, I'm like, oh, those types of things need to be a little more organically written. So well, and grammatical errors and you, know, oh, you yeah. need to make yeah. sure you scan everything to make sure it looks professional. Yep. And that kind of leads me to another question for you, Evan, is... Because I know I get this, especially in the, in the spring, I'm just constantly emailed from folks about positions and I scan it. I'm trying to find important information quickly because as you know, as an administrator, we just don't have a lot of time to, to sit there and, and to read very long, lengthy emails. But what are some additional supplementary pieces that should be added to the email? Should they be attaching a resume, a cover letter? What, what types of things are you looking for in addition to just the body of an email? In that kind of email, a resume would be nice. But this kind of goes back to what you know, you're know you alluding to and, and Jeff is alluding to also. Resumes are nice if they're put together well. You know, I'm certainly not saying that someone needs to go out and spend a thousand bucks and hire someone to design the resume for them. But it needs to be put together well. It needs to be grammatically correct. And especially on that email, and you know, I do agree with Jeff that 
a short email that's freshly written, you know, so it's not something that's cut, copied and pasted, is a good way to go. But where, where letters can also go wrong is if they're really grammatically off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I always recommend, there's a nice little extension called Grammarly, which I get, I get nothing for saying this, but it is, it is a good extension to have. The paid version is worth paying a little money for because you can dump your text into that program. It will correct it for you, especially if you're in a rush. Because, you know, what happens is that email is the only way that potentially I will know someone. Mm -hmm. And if it is really written poorly, that's, you know, that's a problem. Yeah, that's good advice. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Are you guys ready for the third and final question? Let's do it. Let's finish strong. All right, this one's from AJ Bianco. He is asking, when focusing on year-end evaluations or summatives, what is crucial feedback you want to provide to your staff? So Evan, I mean, this is where we are this year. We mm -hmm. are in the midst of evaluations for teachers and for other staff members. So what are some things that you want to provide which you think is crucial feedback for your staff? Well, I, I think one of the things that you don't want to provide is completely unexpected feedback. Mm. Because, you know, a summative is an evaluation that wraps up a teacher's performance for the entire year. So feedback should be provided, you know, throughout the year through formal observations and informal observations. So the summative is really sort of a recap of that. Um, it, it certainly can be a conversation for some goals for the summertime, prof potentially professional development, maybe books that someone's going to read or things of that nature. But, but I am... Uh, feel very strongly that when teachers go into an end of the year summative evaluation, that that in no way, shape or form should be a surprise for a teacher. Yep. And, and I think when that happens, you know, that that really, really is a problem. Because uh, obviously, if that com good communication has been happening throughout the year, the summative conversation is a very positive conversation. Again, it may talk about some things over the summertime, but it sets someone up to go and have a good summer and come back ready and recharged. Uh, but to have someone come into the office who's never heard anything potentially mm -hmm. negative or or, um, or highly suggestive, and then suddenly they get it, you know, the last day of school and have to sign a form and go home, that is not the way that you want to have staff head off into their summertime. No, not at all. No. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the first time that they've seen it. No, it certainly shouldn't be the first time they've heard it from you in right. some some form or another, right? I mean, right. Evan, um, do you have do you have like a, a for lack of a better term formula? That's not what I'm what I'm trying to ask, but I guess a formula like or a rule that you kind of apply for yourself when you're having these conversations. Do you try to lead in with a certain number of positive and reinforcing feedback to to make sure that they understand that you appreciate them, that you set them up so that they're better receiving the potentially more suggestive, more potentially more critical or does that not matter as much because you've been having the conversation all year and it's not surprising. So it's not like it's smacking them in the face. You're just like, like you said, quarter recap and reviewing what you've already, they, they should already know. Right. Do you yeah. have, do you think through that? Is that something that you do? Oh yeah. I think through that a lot. You okay. Know, and Jeff, and I think even, and I think that moves into more of what is the professional thing to do with an employee? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is if you're a principal and you've been a principal for a long time, there may be people on your team that you've known for a very long time. You should yeah. probably be really frank with them. But 
but that's not necessarily the most professional thing to do in the, in the end of the year summit of meeting. And you know, when I was in graduate school for my MBA, I remember reading a book, you all may have read it called The One Minute Manager. Mm-hmm. Really, really popular book. And so the premise of the book is exactly what you just said, Jeff, which is, you know, never ever meet people with negative or constructive uh, feedback without being able to kind of case it in some things that, that are positive. And yeah. I, I would hope you can always, just like when you work with children, you know, and so like in, make the parallel into a classroom. You know, if a kid is misbehaving, if the teacher just, you know, constantly criticizes them, yeah. constantly critiques them, uh, that's not a way to build the relationship that's going to move things forward. You know, there's always yeah. a way to kind of hit some positives and then in, in the right way, uh, communicate things that, that someone can reflect on or potentially consider. You know, and I'm a big believer in, in helping people reflect. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much, you know, you should do this, but asking questions, uh, you know, cognitive coaching kind of things and getting people to think think about their practice and reflect on it. But you always got to start with some things that are positive. Yep. And you need to end that way, too. You don't want to. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to kind of, kind of put it into a sandwich. Yeah, I like that. I, I always I just always reflect on. um when I was actually, when I was in the food industry, in the hospitality industry, and we had a, there was a, a young lady that was working with us and um, we were at a meeting with the, all my all my shift managers and team leaders and stuff. And they were all complaining about her, how she doesn't take feedback well. And they, they were they were actually all advocating to fire her. And I'm like, she she's great on all my shifts. I never have any problems. She's amazing. Like, she's fantastic. And they're like, when we talked through and I finally got to it, I said, oh, yeah, just compliment her once first. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, literally tell her one thing she does good. It doesn't have to have anything to do with her job. Tell her her hair looks nice. And then she will accept everything you say. And she will not only accept it, she'll act on it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm like, do you know that she gets literally like verbally abused by her mother every single day? So so when she comes in here, if the first thing you say to her is criticism, she's done. Like you just brought her back down to a low. I said, however, if you tell her, hey, nice job with that last customer. Like, do you see that? Like you brighten their day right up you could just drill it with everything she did wrong and she just takes it. And it was crazy how they shifted over the next couple of weeks, just by doing that with her of just, just started that way. And I love, I love the sandwich. Cause that's, I've always kind of done that too. I don't I never thought of it as a sandwich, but, but yeah, I mean, you, I don't want to say it, it doesn't bring the guard down, but it brings the, the, the defense mechanism down because you're no longer just coming right at them with a criticism. You're trying to help them. You're trying to suggest them. And the question and piece I think is really, really powerful because then it's not, I'm telling you what you're doing wrong or how you should be doing this. It's we're figuring this out together. Exactly. Um, so I like that a lot. That's that's powerful. So this built in for us where we do a reinforcement or a refinement piece. So we always provide okay. a reinforcement first and then we go in the refinement. But the refinement piece, like you said, Jeff, like I don't want to just tell the teacher what they should refine, what they should be working on. Like I want to have them have ownership in that. So it's always a conversation of like, where do you want to grow? You know, it's not me just dictating that for you because if I tell someone to do something, they're not going to own it. It's probably going to be put up a defense mechanism of, I do that just fine. Whereas if they're able to define what they need to work on, then that's something that we're agree we're in agreement with moving forward. And then then we can start talking about, okay, well, how do you want to get to that next level within the piece that you're trying to refine? Uh, and, and Josh, when you do that, it gives you an opportunity as a leader to see where they're at on their Mm self-awareness so now you're able to especially if there's someone who's working their way up to be a leader as well so you can assess how they're doing as far as being aware of 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 themselves and their actions and 
be surprised at how many people can tell you all the things that they need to improve, right? For sure. They may not get them all. They might not see all of them. Obviously, you might see different ones, but there's an opportunity there for you to learn a lot about them and about that awareness piece for them too. Right. And if you've got a teacher that has, let's say, three or four different areas that they need to improve on, well, I'm not going to tell them they need to work on four things. Let's start small. Let's let's have them identify at least one of those things, and then we can build off of that for for something down the road. Yeah, reflection is is an incredibly power powerful tool. It's a powerful tool in the classroom for kids and powerful for adults. Mm-hmm. The second piece that I want to talk about real quick is I don't exactly agree with like the the way that we provide summatives. For instance, if I'm in a classroom and I have a bunch of walkthroughs and then I have you know my observation that I'm supposed to do for the for the year. If I see evidence of that occurring sometime in the year, I'm going to give them the highest mark within that year. So I know a lot of administrators just go in from one observation and whatever they get is what they get. But for me, I want to model what I want my teachers to do with the students, which is if they see evidence of that, then why wouldn't you give them the credit no matter when it is within the school year? Well, I mean, you know, you can't see evidence of every standard, you know, all the time or, or even necessarily mm-hmm. when you're going for a formal observation. So. Yep. Um, it would be a courteous and appropriate thing to make note when you see something that you want to see, you know, and, and be willing to note that. But I think, you know, all of that fits into this whole concept, the power feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this, this idea that you can run a school without grades, but you can't run a school without feedback. Sure. You know, and then when you look at that with adults, uh, the mo- reflection and feedback are the most important things for growth. Because, you know, I don't know how things are in, in Texas, but, you know, I don't have a lot. My most experienced teachers, and we have a weird kind of rating scale also for summative that we're kind of bound to, but yep. it's a numeric. So, you know, I don't know any of my experienced teachers that come to the start of the year and say, Evan, I was a 32 last year. and My goal is to be a 33. No one thinks that way. No. You know, it's just part of the bureaucracy of what we have to do to rate people and, and do this. But. But what really motivates people is relationships, connections, communication, uh, and feedback. You yep. know, and feedback that's given in a way uh, that elicits thinking and conversations versus you know thou thou shouts. Love it. Yeah. I don't know how we end any better than that, Jeff. But I do have one thing I need to uh, ask you, which is what is going on with the Teach Better team? Uh, well, you know, we're going to Virginia. <laughs> is there anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we're um, good. There's quite a few things going on. We've got um, big thing right now is we've got. I mean, we always we have our monthly giveaway that's always going on, on social media. I should know what how you win that one in May, but I don't right now. Uh, so you just got to follow us at, at Teach Better Team to get that. But usually we make it pretty easy and we're giving different things away. The other thing we got uh, we just started we just announced put on the website we have uh, several summer webinar series coming up. Yes. Uh, starting the first ones on June 14th, and then they they go the whole summer and they even overlap and stuff. So we've got two. Two different uh, series of on the grid method where you will literally you'll learn the grid method by actually working through a grid yourself. Uh, and those there's two different options for those that are it's an eight part series that goes across four weeks. The first is with uh, Ray Hewitt and the second um, session is with Chad Ostrowski. Uh, Ray is also going to be running two different options, uh, two different series on building an intro grid, uh, which those both go two weeks with four different sessions. And all those include, you know, uh, work templates and, and guides and all kinds of good stuff. And then getting to, to, to work through with the same cohort, the entire eight or four sessions. And we've got David Schmidt and um, Caitlin Giordano doing a really uh, awesome series called What Weighing In to Get the Buy-In. And it's all about starting those important conversations that aren't always easy to start 
and how to get people to come along with you to make actual change in your school and your district. So that's going to be a powerful one. That's a four part series. And then we also have an SBG uh, standards based grading series uh, coming as well toward the end of the summer as well. And then uh, Dave Schmidt is going to lead that. So all of that's over at teachbetter.com. You can find all the different, all the different uh, pages to go sign up and stuff like that. Josh, you know, I didn't even ask you, but let's do it. Let's do a, um, let's use Aspire. Okay. And let's give them all 25% off. They use Aspire. How about awesome. that? Cool. Love it. Make sure I don't forget to set that up. I have to I set that up now. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I, <laughs> I do that. Ray was talking about how we just talked about it on our podcast. Ray's like, yeah, we plan all this stuff out except for that. That's just, you just make that up on the fly. And I'm like, that's, that's how we do things. So that's how we yes, do that's, that's the biggest thing right now is we're doing a whole bunch of webinars that were well received last summer. So we wanted to give a whole summer of options this, this year as well. That's really cool. I'll make sure I have that in the show notes. Make sure you're using the code ASPIRE for 25% off. And I'll make sure the Jeff Gargas puts that in for you. And with that, I want to thank our special guest, Evan Robb, who is fantastic. And I just love how much wisdom you provided in this podcast. So thank you, Evan, for being on, on the Aspire Mailbag. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And as usual, thank you, Gargas. I'm sorry, I'm writing a note to make sure I do the coupon code. Is that okay right now? No, thank you, man. I appreciate you being on here. Evan, it was awesome seeing you again and having you on here. Appreciate you, brother, Josh. Appreciate everything Teach Better does. Doing great things for educators.